This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, motherfuckers? Welcome back to another episode of the Low Life Motherfucking Chopper Podcast. What's up, you steamy cabbage toots? Oh, fuck. Uh, I got that back. one off uh, a random insult we're on, generator. We're on another <laughs> new program. Rhino, the tech guy, just loves to switch it up. Uh, so we'll see how this one goes. He was showing yeah, me all I'll... kinds of weird like doodads where you can track how my computer's doing for some reason. He's like hacking my shit. Um, but we'll see how this goes. Hopefully we make it through the entire episode. Yeah, I, I just like stressing Loctite out because it's been going so nicely for the last few weeks with no technical issues. But I was like, oh, I found a new thing. So and stressed I'm out. I'm like, yeah. Listen, yeah. I, I, listen, you know, I don't hide nothing. I was stressing before this show. Uh, this is a little embarrassing, but I was like, Rhino, what if she doesn't like us? What if this? What if this whole thing just falls apart? <laughs> yeah, truth, truth, and uh, we are really excited about this episode. So we're hoping that it goes smooth as silk. So far, so good. Uh, we are joined with Sarah, uh, the Leather Tramp, on Instagram, uh, aka No Life Till Leather. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us, even though you didn't know who we were. I knew who we were, but uh, I haven't actually listened to that oh, you podcast did, yet. Okay. So it wasn't total creeper move when I reached out, right? You were like, oh, okay, these yeah. guys are legit. Okay. And I was like, New Hampshire guys, right? So Yeah. Yeah, we just found out right before we started recording that we went to the same high school. GHS Grizzlies. Oh, man. <laughs> so when did you end up um, moving down to Tennessee? Um, 2019. Beginning of 2019. Oh, okay. And you were you in New Hampshire up until 2019? Uh, till 2018. And then I did a brief stint in Jersey for less than a year oh, and wow. then moved down here. Yeah, my mom's been down here since 2007. Oh, okay. Cool. And in what part of Tennessee are you in? Uh, I'm in Nashville right now. My shop's in Nashville. Nashville. That's such a cool town. Man, I was so impressed with Nashville when I went. I went to the, uh, what was it, Loretta Lynn uh, function thing down there. Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival? Yeah, no, I, I actually went for a work thing, uh, but I just oh. I went to that place, and then we went out in, like, downtown Nashville. It just, like, knocked my socks off. I was just like, wow, there's, like, neon everywhere, music everywhere. I was just like, this place is fun. Yeah, uh, I don't make it down to Broadway very much, but um, I grew up listening to country music in New Hampshire with both my parents, and uh, I still, when I pull up and like see the Nashville skyline a lot of days, I get pumped. I'm oh, definitely yeah. 
Gary loves the history and all the talent that's here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a cool spot. Um so what kind of what kind of bike do you ride? You do quite a bit of riding, I hear. Yes, I have a 2003 Sportster. It's a 100 anniversary edition. Um it's got 103,000 miles and change on it now. Um It's been really good to me. Fairly broken down on me. I have had like no major repairs. Um just lost the original belt at like 90,000 miles. Um so the original clutch still on the original top end. Um, definitely looking a little worse for wear these days, but I'm trying to stay set up and keep it going as long as I can. Hell yeah. I have the same exact bike, the 2003 anniversary edition hey, Sportster. You guys like, 20s. yeah, yeah. How many miles? I don't know. I don't, I don't think the odometer on there, uh, I haven't checked it in a long time. You have an odometer still? Yeah, I kept the oh, speedo the and the side. Odoo. Yeah, 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 it's down on the side, like over the coils. Um, but there's a little button in the back that you have to push to like cycle through to see like what the mileage is. I only look at the trip one to see how much like gas, uh, like when I need gas. And then uh, yeah, I haven't looked at the total miles, but I'll post that up because uh, yeah, I'm not sure. And part of the reason I don't typically look at it is because it's right up against the heads. So when I stick my finger in there, it just burns the shit out of my hand. So I'm just like, yeah, I'll just leave that be. But uh, I asked, so I but mine's not as uh, much of a pain in the ass to get to. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it a 1200 or 883? It's an 883. 883. Okay. Yeah that that bike has been like absolutely bulletproof. I did a a top end on it what like two years ago or something like that, but um. I probably could have gotten away with not doing it. It was just leaking a little bit of, a lot of bit of oil, but, uh, yeah, definitely awesome bike. Yeah. It's a good amount of oil, yeah. but, uh, you know, I just kind of let it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's Harley Davidson, you know, that's how they sweat. Um, yeah, the, uh, so the anniversary edition too, uh, that one is just spoke spokes front and back, right? It's got mags on it. Oh, it has mags on it. I love mags. That's a good choice. Okay. Oh, mags shit. for the hard miles. Um, yeah. I wouldn't fuck with That's good. Yeah, because you don't need to fuck with... You don't, you don't have to fuck with tubes, right? Right. Or yeah, no. Spoke. Or loose spokes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good job building that one. I haven't uh, altered it too much. It lowered it or it came lowered to me. Um, so I'm pretty short and some different bars on it and stuff, but I've left it pretty stock and it's been good to me. Nice. Did you buy it brand new or, or how many miles? Or... I want to say it had seven or 8,000 miles That's on right. it. I haven't been able to. I do have. Um, a highlight on my Instagram page of a bunch of the mileage rollovers, and um, the earliest one I could find was from nine thousand nine hundred nine to ten thousand. Okay, but I had it. And you just hit a milestone mile-wise pretty recently, didn't you? Yeah, I hit a hundred thousand in December. Oh, December so. sick. Okay, been three thousand miles since then. Yeah. Um, riding season in Tennessee. Like, what's 
is it is it pretty much year round? Because I mean, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with Nashville weather, but like, does it stay warm enough year round? Or and it depends on who you are, I guess. Like for uh, like coming from New England, where you're used to getting like seeded snow and it being like really super cold. For me, I don't think it's that bad. Um, but it's still pretty cold. I think colder than most people would. I did uh, I do like layer up, but I managed to ride just about the whole winter you know the only time i didn't ride was when the whole state was shut down so we had a snowstorm anyway it's like oh, nobody yeah. goes anywhere yeah it hasn't been too much of an inconvenience to me to only have my bike running recently so what a, how did you get into riding how long have you been riding i guess i gotta give credit to an ex-boyfriend for that um I rode on the back of his bike for a while and had fun. And there were days that I would be off of work or whatever and want to go for a ride. And I'd ask him and he wouldn't want to take me. Uh, so I got frustrated with that. And uh, I really didn't think I would be the kind of girl that had her own bike. But uh, I went and got my license, took a course, and uh, eventually got a my own bike as a Honda Rebel 250. Had that for several years and loved riding it around New Hampshire. It got wicked good gas mileage, like 78 miles to the gallon or something. And I think it costs like 80 bucks a year to register. Of course, the riding season was much shorter. But um, yeah, that's how I got into it. Nice. Yeah. How's the uh, riding course in New Hampshire? Is it like a, is it like a tough thing to get through? Like, I, I actually never did it. Uh, I didn't think it was hard. I told tons of people to go take it. Um, this was back in 2009, I think, or 10. Uh, and you just, like, a two-day thing, maybe two and a half day. You went Friday night and took, like, a class portion of it. And then Saturday and Sunday, we spent out on the bikes. Um, mm-hmm. Same 250s and some 125s. And they just had us out on the course practicing. Um and you save money on your insurance after that too. So it basically pays for itself eventually with the discount. Yeah. Um, and almost everyone is guaranteed, like, it's pretty hard to not pass. Yeah. Uh, rather than if you go just try to take the test instead of the course, you could pay the money and fail the test. And I have to go back and pay to take it again. Where I think they're great. I think it's important everybody do that. You hear all the time people say, my friend's going to teach me in the parking lot or whatever, but you just can't promise that they're going to cover everything that somebody needs to know uh i hate to see people do that and then miss telling someone something and then a new rider gets hurt because their friend didn't tell them everything they need to know right um so yeah i fully support anyone that ever tells me that they want to ride and tell them to go in their local course and take it yeah i took mine i took mine in rhode island and it was the same thing you did like a day of paperwork and then you did a day on the bikes Oh, damn. And uh, the instructor on the day, like when on the first day, he's like, there's going to be people that don't pass this course. And I was like, <clears throat> like, why? And he's like, you'll see tomorrow when we go out on the bikes. And there is like this lady and she must have been like four nine. Like she could barely we had like there were a bunch of like two fifties and uh, she could barely like touch the ground on these like rebels and uh she looked like oh man i felt so bad for her she did not look like she should be 
interested in riding motorcycles at all. But uh, she was like really having trouble just like keeping it up and keeping it straight. And everybody's like doing these like slaloms through the cones. And she just whiskey throttled it. And I saw her take off through the parking lot into the grass and launched over like a berm and like went airborne. The bike went one way. She went the other way. Oh, man, I hope she's all right. Yeah, she was fine. She just, like, I mean, she was crying and shit, but uh, she came back, and he failed her, you know, because you can't, Dude, that's, like, the. You paperwork in New Hampshire. Oh, you didn't? You just, like, show up and sign your name and then go out to the road course. Okay. I took through, the, through, like, the DMV? Scooter. Yeah. I took yeah, maybe it's different. He scooter, dude. Me and my cousin both are the same day. We're the only ones that passed out of 12 people. <laughs> 50 cc scooter wow yeah we failed one part because like there's there's a part with like the box and you have to hit 40 miles an hour and then stop in the box and the scooter <laughs> the scooter couldn't hit 40 oh yeah dude a 50 cc scooter with a dude on it that's yeah, not going 50 it was, it was awesome <laughs> jeez cheat code I, that would have been awesome to see <laughs> sounds like they're do some of that graduated licensing stuff. Um, I wasn't sure if that was nationwide or just some states that I saw it, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, make sure people know what they're doing on the bikes. Yeah. I still like, I, I think it was valuable. I mean, when I teach people to ride, I use the same like instructions that that instructor gave me, you know, like, uh, to try to for a new rider just to feel where like the clutch is engaging you know what i mean just like rocking back and forth and uh like i was trying to teach my little brother how to how to ride and i was like you just you know same instructions like going through like you just sit and you rock back and forth and when you're comfortable you just like let it go and then you start going forward i think they should and he was like like, he was like yeah 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 and guess what he did he fucking launched my bike into the woods She wouldn't fucking listen to me. I think they should do it like um like minor driving licenses. Like for the first like year you can't ride with a passenger. You can't ride at nighttime. Oh that's kind of what I was referring to with the graduated yeah. licensing. There's some exactly the rules are, so I'm not gonna say it, but I think it's stuff like that where they make sure that people are know what they're doing. Yeah. I don't want to be the yeah. fun police, but this there's quite a bit of people who die every year on motorcycles that yeah, I, shouldn't have been on a motorcycle. It, Right. I'm involved in the motorcycle industry all the time and just hear and see so many people get hurt unnecessarily too, whether it's like not the OT helmet or whatever. I I would like to prevent any of that. Yeah, yeah. Um that's one of my pet peeves. I live like, anytime every day for me. So I I would like to not see people have that. Yeah. That's one of my pet peeves too, is like anytime I see somebody with somebody else on the back of their bike. And they're riding like a psychopath, like ripping the highway, lane splitting. It's like, come on, dude. Like, if you want to die, that's fine. But, like, don't make that choice for somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Careful about that. And my bike just doesn't go that fast anyway. But um, I do think that I've had them, like, zoom past me at, you know, whoever's out there going over 100 miles an hour down the interstate. Um, you know, you're go, you look, and you go to change lanes, and they're over there one second, and then... I would hate to get hit by one of them. Yeah. Thankfully, they have thus far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
<clears throat> riding a bike is it's one of those things like you actually have to learn how to ride over the course of a long time by actually doing it <clears throat> you know because i look back at like when i first started i couldn't corner you know like i couldn't i didn't know the hand signals i didn't know like stopping power and shit like that but uh the more you ride the better you get at it you know riding on different terrain things like that just yeah. like you know prepare First, you uh, i was out the other night in the rain and some guy said something to me about uh it was like barely raining anymore and i've ridden in horrible storms so to me it wasn't anything just like pretty risky you know here tonight and i'm like yeah this guy has no idea how much i ride through this stuff and um it's like anything else the more you do it the more experience you get and the better you are at it um you know of course i guess if you make a big mistake it'd be bad but yeah i don't know you gotta do good at it or to be confident and you just have to like expose yourself to it more yeah um yeah, my birthday just passed, so I've officially been riding for 20 years, and I still feel like I suck at it. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm still such a defensive rider. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, really defensive, too. Like, uh, the traffic down here is pretty sketchy. Um, there's a few places that are worse, but Nashville and Tennessee, definitely, they have me out there riding pretty defensively, um, I guess. I should. I tell myself sometimes that I've been through such a bad accident that the odds are it's like somebody else's turn to get hurt. Like, what are the odds that I get hurt really bad twice? Yeah. But then I went and put, you know, a shitload of miles on. I'm like, well, I guess my odds are kind of creeping up with the amount that I've been riding since yeah. that happened. And that's the thing, too. Um, it's like when you put down as many miles as you put down, unfortunately, it ups your risk, obviously, because the more time you spend, the greater the chance. Yeah, I try not to think about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I think mathematically your risk goes down if you've already been in an accident, right? Right, that's what it talks about. Yeah, because right? I mean, it's like, else... what's the chances of getting hit twice? You know, like obviously your first. So, so your accident, you got hit by someone else. Was it a car? Yes, I got hit by a drunk driver oh, head on. Heck? Head on, and I do. Well, I'll leave me here at night because Nashville is such a drinking town. Um, and I'll see people swerving all over the place on my way home. And I don't know, like I said, I just really try to ride pretty defensively. I will say, I just got this thing I'm pretty excited about. But anyway, I was talking about that um, running out of gas and hitting the reserve. So mm -hmm. my friend was completely unaware that that was a thing. And I, I just like wish more people in cars understood that the bike in front of you can like shut down or have a malfunction or like anything at any time and to give people more room because I know I'm not getting on the brake when that happens, but obviously I start slowing down in traffic. So I'm excited that light thing will like light up when anything like that happens and hopefully yeah, help keep me safer out there. Cool. And that's why um, I was talking to my brother kind of recently about that and explaining, you know, some people think that we're being dickheads by like, splitting lanes or going in the breakdown lane or something, but really just trying to be safe because, yes, people will come flying up, especially in traffic. There's tons of traffic here. I like travel all over the country. Every time you pass through a major city, you're, like, almost always going to hit traffic. And it's been scary, and I've heard brakes lock up behind me. You know, That's I'm not trying to... Oh. 
Yeah, that's probably one of the worst parts is just the other people out there. So I don't have that problem because I don't talk to people that don't ride motorcycles anymore. I just cut them all out of my life. I don't need that negativity in my life. <laughs> I just like, you know, you don't ride motorcycles. You're not my friend. I'm sorry. I know I we've been through a people, lot. Period. <laughs> the only people I talk to is on this podcast. It's a good form for it because you know at least they're into bikes. But uh, um, you said you got into an accident. A drunk driver hit you. Was that in Tennessee? I was in Rhode Island. Oh, in Rhode Island, oh, they're the worst drivers in the U.S. So I heard after it was too late. Oh my god, I li- I used to live in Rhode Island, and they are so bad for so many reasons. But like. You'll be driving, you'll be driving, and, you know, like, uh, one of those areas that has a bunch of stores, you know, there's like, uh, you know, an Ann and Hope and a, uh, Ocean State job lot, and you'll be driving down the road, and the person in front of you will stop in the middle of the road to let someone pull out of the parking lot. I've never seen this in my entire life. I've been all over the world, never seen that anywhere. The South is pretty bad, like. I have to say, I feel like the New England people have it better on them. There's all kinds of shit like that. Somebody else moved here and they said that they don't make them take drivers in or something. I don't know. But I always yeah. assume like nobody has no, any idea of what I'm doing when I'm doing hand signals and stuff. And just like they just see me flailing my arms and they're like, look out. She's going to. <laughs> Listen, yeah. every time I ride my chopper and I put out to do a hand signal, I'm like, this person behind me probably thinks I'm retarded. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah. probably think I'm waving. I'm like, right. You know what I mean? Well, especially I get like, that I all the time. That you just got a point. You know, you just got a point where you're going. I don't even use you the figure right like ones. left. I'm pointing left, and if they don't know right, but yeah, sometimes people just think I'm waving at them, and I'm like, oh my yeah. god. I really have been saying since I started working here in Nashville every day that I kind of want to put some like actual functioning signals back on my bike, <laughs> so that yeah. just for safety again. I know I really sound like a boring old lady at this point, but. That accident was so bad. I really try to ride pretty defensively to avoid, you know, anything. Did they catch the guy? It was a woman. Um, oh, and actually, she was a Massachusetts driver. Technically, she was from Mass. It just happened in Rhode Island. But she was like 0. .29. You know, she was. That's a lot. Pretty, pretty alcohol. Yeah, like, yeah. aren't you getting alcohol poisoning at, like, point yeah, that's two four or some shit? Holy shit. I don't know. But, So was this, in yeah. like, was this in, like, city area or was this, like, back road type of deal? It was out in the country. Um, I was oh, almost to go camp out with some, almost to my friend's house to go camp out with some other people I knew. And, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I was, like, not really a ton of people around, um. She hit me and I landed in the ditch. And um, thankfully, some people found me a few minutes later. Had She was drinking out of campground and left. And some people followed her out of there. Mm-hmm. Tore the tire off the rim when she hit me. So she went up the road out of my line of sight. But it, the vehicle did eventually stop. And they were able to catch her. No shit. What, where, how did she, did she like sideswipe you or was it like 
right in the I was coming down the road and I saw some headlights coming up to what was a stop sign and I thought she looks she's like she's going too fast to stop at that stop sign. Um and she didn't. She just pulled out a Tahoe into my lane. And I was riding more towards the yellow line, but I started to move towards the outside thinking she was gonna get back on her own side. And she did not get back on her own side. And uh we collided towards the outside. I ended up in a ditch. Holy yeah, shit. thankful what, to what, uh, still be here. What town in her, uh, what place in Rhode Island? What city or town? Um, it was a small town down there. I ended up with like a 40 something minute ride, I think, to in the ambulance to Rhode Island. I got stuck in the hospital there in Providence for oh, a little uh, round. 40 minutes for, oh, you were in there for a month? Holy shit. Did you have a, was it, I guess, was it head trauma? I mean, you were wearing a helmet and all that. Yeah, so I rode around New Hampshire for a long time with no helmet or not a real helmet. I wore a novelty helmet for a bit. And then um, I had gone to Vermont with some friends to ride, and we were out riding the mountain passes. And there was like choppers and all kinds of different bikes out there, and several people crashed. And it made me realize that even if you're just like riding with these guys, if something happens in front of you, you know, and you go down, I just decided to get a DOT helmet and I wore. It built well full face like five times before I got hit in Rhode Island. So I am convinced that that saved me. It didn't have a crack in it. Um, so no, didn't really have any head damage, but I shattered my elbow, broke my shoulder, my hip, my femur in two spots, my foot, a few of those bones got shattered. Um, and a really big, uh, they say, they call it degloved. I got a really big wound on my thigh, like going down to my calf. Oh, Jesus. That was tore open. So I've got a rod in my femur now, um, some screws in my shoulder and stuff. Wow. What's it like getting back on a bike after that? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, how long was that before you were back on a bike? Um, It happened in August of 2015. And I think I got back on a bike in March of 2016. I went and bought a used bike. I was, people, a lot of people said I was crazy and still say I'm crazy to have gotten back on one. But it's like, if you got hit by a drunk driver in your car, would you stop driving it? You know? Yeah, true. It wasn't my fault. It's a risk that we all should be very aware that we take every time we get on a bike. You know, somebody drinking, not paying attention on their phone, whatever. Mm. could or our own mistakes like could end us so yeah unfortunately had to pay the price i've been guilty of driving drunk before that too and you know sadly i had to pay the price on that one i always do say that i'd rather be me and the one that got hurt than the one that did to somebody because that would yeah i don't even know how i that would be tough to live with yeah i tried to i was you guys asked if they caught her and everyone likes to ask me that when they first hear about the accident and well i hope she went to jail and i'm like well i pushed for her not to go to jail because she was a first-time offender and you know not like didn't seem like a bad person she was super sorry and like upset about what happened and you know lost her license for several years and had a lot of you know punishment come to her i didn't see what putting her in jail would do you know I was like, I'd rather see her go talk, do community service or something, like talk about what happened. If it stops someone else from getting behind the wheel and someone from going through what I did, that's more beneficial to the community than sitting in jail using our taxpayer dollars to like yeah, punish yeah. this one. Was she older or younger? 
Uh, she's a bit older than me, not a ton. Um, I've, what? I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to talk about that kind of thing. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. want to invade her privacy or anything yeah, yeah. either. Um, yeah, I, I get I where just... you're coming from though, because it's like any of us are just one stupid ass decision away from something like that happening. You know what I mean? Friends, family, like I know, unfortunately, so many people that do that. I don't drink alcohol anymore. I haven't for a few years. Um, I'm so much happier without it personally. Um, and quitting it has like helped me work on healing the trauma from that whole thing. Um, you know, don't want to get too deep here, but it was definitely a lot. And I kind of didn't have the time to feel a lot of the feelings about it at the time because I was just in survival mode. You know, I was in a wheelchair for a long time. I couldn't walk and I was third floor apartment by myself for a lot of it so like i got out of the hospital and i was having to like clean my leg every day and like huge wound and skin graft and yada yada and Whoa. then i had to go back to work pretty soon because i had to pay for stuff and um, it just it's not a happy time in my life i'm definitely glad to be doing better than i was but i still get depressed all the time if i'm honest because I'm in this pain, like it's been eight years, nine years almost, and I still struggle to do stupid things every day. It's painful, and there's things that I'll never be able to do again. Sucks, but don't drink and drive, kids. Yeah, fuck. That's a tough story. Yeah. Sorry. Now was no, was I this mean... before you did um? All the traveling that you've done, or was this during after? Yes, I had ridden down to like Jersey. Okay, I think as far as I'd gone from New Hampshire at that point, like eight hours or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. It wasn't until after that, I think it kind of removed the fear for me almost because, like, That's I've already wild. gone through something so terrible. Yeah, um, but I honestly never thought I would go do all that. Yeah. I just got the chance and to go work with the Wall of Death and. Just started riding further. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. And the bike has just been so good to me. It just keeps going. So I just keep going. Right. Yeah, I think it was Tony that hit me up. Um, and was like, hey, I know this chick, super good leather worker. She's from Tennessee. She's going to be in the area for the show that we did. He's like, can she set up? And I was like, she's riding from Tennessee? Yeah, she could set up for sure. And I appreciated that. That actually, I did better there than I did a lot of the days up in Laconia. No because, kidding. like, you know, that community has always been supportive, yeah. um, more of grassroots and stuff than some of the bigger rallies. You get the weekend warrior types out and they yeah, don't yeah. get it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do really appreciate you guys doing that. It was are good you, to get up to New Hampshire. Are you planning on coming up to uh, Laconia again this year? Probably not. Because I've got the shop now. Um, I wasn't paying rent on a workspace, but I wanted to be up there for the hundredth. And um, the past few years before that, I was like on the complete opposite end of the country doing more free that same like week weekend. So I've never been able to be at both. I grew up going to Laconia like since I was a teenager. So it's, you know, got soft spot in my heart. Yeah. Uh, it was great to be back up there. I was going there before I even had my bike license. So uh, after riding everywhere else I've been since there, it was like good to go back there and see if it 
was as good as I remembered or just had, you know, sentimental attachment to it. And I do have to say, Lake Winnipesaukee is still beautiful and the mountains. Oh, I love um, it there. Riding up Mount Washington. I, that was the first time doing it on my Sportster. I'd rode up there on my Suzuki before. I still haven't done it. Um, I heard it's terrifying coming down. Uh, they paved a bunch more of it, so it's not even as bad as it used to but be. Like, what used about to be more like, on, like on a chopper, though, with no front brake? Is it, would it be more terrifying that way? No, you just, I use my engine brake most of the time. Like, people need to know that. They need to know to, like, just shift and let it coast down. Yeah. Um, I mean... I guess it depends on who you are and how fucking bad your brakes are, but that's why I don't ride a chopper. Like, yeah, my brakes are. I would like to have one someday, but I'm practical and I want to be able to ride all over and do stuff <laughs> and not be like I can't stop. I don't know. Yeah, you can always use your third your emergency brake and just put your uh, put your feet down like a Flintstone. Just I mean, drag your feet the whole way. I have to say, I did like the other year. I was out on the road for quite a while and. I let my brakes go down like nothing. So I was like, I went quite a while without feeling like I didn't have any brakes at all because I was trying not to use them. Yeah. So I got good at not needing them. But, um, you know, other than that, I guess just be careful of the weather. The weather could be way worse at the top of the mountain. <clears throat> if you're going up on a bike, you definitely want to check it. But I tell everybody that says they're going to New Hampshire and the people that are there that they should ride it in Washington. Yeah. Cool experience. I've always wanted, and this sounds super corny, especially because I'm from New Hampshire. Well, I'm from Mass, but live in New Hampshire. I've always wanted to get, like, a bunch of the homies and just leave super, super early, ride up Mount Washington for the sunrise. That would be so fucking dope. I would, it would definitely be colder at that time. It's always, like, coldest in the morning at sun, right before sunrise. But um, sunset, I would, like, probably would be more inclined yeah, to check out. down in the dark? Yeah. I, well, yeah, I got I shitty brakes and shitty headlights. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess because your battles, but um, definitely if you can get it on a clear day. I lucked out the first time I went in 2016. It was actually the year after my accident. Uh, I, it was a beautiful day, and I was at work at a garage in Manchester, and uh, I mentioned to my boss that the ride of the sky was happening that the weather looked perfect. I really wanted to do it. And um, she let me leave early and go up there. I think I caught like the hill climb in the afternoon and then I went and camped for the night and I got up early and I rode up Mount Washington by myself. I definitely had to pull over because I was crying because I was so thankful to still be alive and able to do it. And the view was beautiful. Like I got up there and you could see so far and I hadn't traveled all around like I have now. So it was really one of the most beautiful views I've ever seen. And um, I didn't even have that great of weather this past time. It was like rainy and clouds barely broke enough for me to see much of anything. So I appreciate it that much more now. Yeah, we got to get up there, bud. Yeah. We'll figure out the light situation, either sun up or sun down. It's the windiest place, place on earth. I don't know if you guys do a lot of tent camping or not. Um but there was a place I ended up staying because it was raining for a couple of days up the street, a cabin. This guy does like rock climbing or adventure climbing or something, but he had a basement. It was on Airbnb, I think. A uh, ton of bunks, and it was like 40 bucks. And there was a couple showers and, you know, fireplace and stuff up top. It was perfect for me. I felt like I looked out and then I was able to get up early. I went and rode up the mountain without all of my camping gear and everything strapped onto it. 
did my thing and came back and strapped up myself in the area. Oh, yeah, that's a hot tip. <clears throat> I'm definitely going up Mount Washington this year. Let's and, do it. Uh, definitely, definitely. I want to stay in Laconia for 101. Somewhere. I've never done that. I always get I never done it either. I always get sick of Laconia super fast. It's mostly because nah. I hate. I just despise humans. I think I'm just more of like low key. I want to be like just with a couple buddies. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, it was good cool. for me to experience again because it had been so long. But since yeah. I don't drink anymore, it was definitely like a way different experience. Yeah, and it's way tamer now. Like I remember going with my dad in like the '90s, and I was like, "This place is wild." Or maybe it's just because I was a kid. I don't know. But it seemed a lot. Yeah, I, I think that. I think I <laughs> used to think it was more here. wild until I like traveled and went some more places. And now I'm just like, it's, yeah, you're like, it's this not is, crazy to me. Yeah, but the riding all around there, like you were saying, is it's hard to beat that riding for sure. Yeah, from there, there's such cool rides out. You know, so you don't have to just stick around by everybody always comes and they ride the kank and I'm like, that's probably like I mean it's a good ride, but that's one of the least like on my list of good places to ride in New Hampshire. Like any one of the notches is better than the kank. I was happy to make get some miles in up there. It was again it wasn't great weather, but I hadn't ridden the kank in years, so it's what is one of those like try to compare it to the tail of the dragon or some of the yeah, other yeah. roads that are popular. And I'm like, yeah fun yeah and i found if you ride the kank backwards so if you ride towards conway it's way better that way i could see that yeah that well that whole area i think that's the best place on earth is like the white mountains in new hampshire yeah like the best ride well, i don't know about the best place on earth but it's the best place around to here me sure. to me it's like it's just like per in the summertime yeah, yeah i'm not a big ski guy but in the summertime, go up to the White Mountains, dude. There's nothing more beautiful. If you're in, I gotta say, ever sense. since I started going to Sturgis, I really love the Black Hills. Like, if oh, I had yeah. to choose between one or the other, I definitely would be going out to the Sturgis. I've never been oh. out to Sturgis. There's some some beautiful roads out there too, the mountains, and I like the history. Like, not that New Hampshire doesn't have cool history, but I guess it's just like home is familiar or whatever i don't know there's all sort of cowboy history and stuff out there and i dig that well what what year did you go to sturgis or have you gone multiple times i have um i first rode out there in 2018 and then in 2020 i was working at a body shop here during the pandemic so i don't even it didn't happen or it happened but it wasn't very big um but i went in 2021 2022 and 2023 i worked out there doing some different stuff um had some art pieces that i made for various art shows out there i taught some leather workshops with the jesse Combs foundation um got to put my tools in other people's hands and teach them and i've worked with the wall of death out there oh shit jesse combs so that, that organization is that like something that she was doing while she was alive or is it post hominis like in her honor or something um, it's a little both, I guess. What I should say is I did the workshops with Real Deal Revolution, which is sponsored by the Jesse Combs Foundation. That was started up posthumously, but um, Jesse and Teresa started Real Deal Revolution, which is doing the workshops at events where Jesse would teach welding workshops and um, 
Teresa did pinstriping, or she does those now. Um, she has continued it on since Jesse's been gone and had different um, women come through and teach various different things. They'll have like auto or bike 101 or teach girls, you know, checking their oil and stuff like that. Obviously, I do the leather work. We make a bracelet or a key fob. Um, but yeah, I really love what they're doing with that and helping a lot of people of both genders, but, um, you know, helping women overcome the intimidation of some of the more male-dominated things or traditionally male-dominated. Right. Yeah, that was a real loss. I remember uh, she did a children's book. What is that thing called? She did a children's book sure. about choppers. It's fucking awesome. About choppers? Check- Do you have that one? What? Oh, yeah. I'm going to look it up. Cause... Oh, sound, sounds amazing. Yeah. I think it's like Jesse and the Chopper Boys or something. Sounds Someone's good. Children's book. Um. So when did like the when did the leather working come into your life? Like when did you grab that passion? I think it was 2010 or 11. There was some bike shows. Um, the Ice Magazine did a party on Friday night at the Baseball Tavern in Boston, and then there was like a ride up to Laconia, and there was camping in Laconia, and there was a bike show at Acme Choppers, and Chopperhead had some of their bikes out there, and um, James. Fortin's bike was out there and they all had a bunch of wicked cool tool leather seats that were done by him. And uh, for whatever reason, it just, they really caught me. I was like amazed by the artwork and thought it was just so cool. And I got to actually talk to him there. And then the next weekend I was at the Hollis flea market out there in New Hampshire, which I've been going to since I was a kid. And I got this thing that I saw there. This kit oh, from the sixties. Wow. Um, it was missing so tools, cool. but it uh, was pretty cool. It like opens up like a saloon doors. Oh, that's rootin' tootin'! Holy moly! They've got a bunch of the, um, the some of the kit things are still in there, but anyway, it felt like one of those nudges from the universe or whatever, and uh, I bought it, and it inspired me to. Get some used tools and give it a shot. No way. So that thing in and of itself is cool that you still have it and it's in really good shape. So it's like going to be a family heirloom one day. Uh, just to go back real quick, it's Joey and the Chopper Boys. I'm gonna Joey and out. Chopper. Yeah, Joey and the Chopper Boys. That. Yeah, it's a fucking cool book. Um, I'm gonna. I'll post a, a link to it in uh, show notes. Because if you're a father and you have kids, you want your daughter to get into chopping bikes or whatever, get this book. That's the one. Yeah. My daughter actually loves it. Um, When did you start the uh, No Life to Leather? So when you first started, you were probably just, I guess, tooling around and making stuff for yourself, making cool shit. When, When did you make that? decision to be like oh maybe i can sell some of this stuff or was that like right from the get-go you're like oh i could make leather goods and sell them now um so i got the kit and like i said i was missing the tools i got some tools and then um that christmas i think 
or maybe one after that, I asked for some for my boyfriend at the time for Christmas. He like asked me what I wanted. I said, I need some of the tools I'm missing to do this. And I guess he like bid on two lots on eBay. I done an assortment of things. And there was some used things in there, some like partially done projects and some things. And I was afraid to mess it up. So I really like didn't do a ton of it for a while. Uh, but eventually I got over the fear of messing stuff up and um, started making things. And I gifted things to people for a bit. I didn't really make much for myself. Um, and then my friend Amanda, who is also from New Hampshire, she makes a lot of really cool handbags and stuff. Um, leather. She's also we bonded over making handmade leather stuff, and we did a show together in Massachusetts at a punk rock flea market. I want to say I was. Um, that was my first foray into like vending and selling things. Um, and I was hooked. You know, it went okay. It definitely has helped me get over some of my social anxiety and like learn to talk to people a little better. But um, yeah. Uh, I haven't I did it on the side for a long time like I had a full-time job and I would do it on my lunch breaks nights weekends and be hauling off somewhere to bend out a show um, and that transitioned after years of doing sales online and doing lots of markets I'm finally in this spot this is not convinced that I want to do the whole like retail part of it it's definitely a lot of talking and not <laughs> not selling as much stuff as I would like. I kind of would rather just make stuff and stock it in other stores and have them deal with the customers and I can just be efficient and make stuff. That's kind of where I'm going, hoping to go anyway. But right now I'm just trying to get the rent paid. So do you do like mostly, most of your sales is like while you're traveling on the road or is it mostly through like Instagram or on an online store i definitely haven't been able to do a ton of it on the road it's hard i can't like ship it it's it's harder for me to do that it's easier for me to print things and carry the shipping supplies and all that if i did it on the road i would be selling it in person um i have done some of that i've done a little bit of all of it I've, i've made it on the road i have shipped it from the road it's just a pain in the ass um and I'm still I'm doing a bit of on sales and a bit of in-person stuff and just yeah. trying to figure out what works. So are you are you full time with it right now? I am. And I'm like seven days a week. You know, uh, I'm here. It's open on Saturday and Sunday and busier on these days. So if I'm going to take a day to not be here because I have to do something, I try to do it on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, but I'm doing something related to the business every day of the week trying oh, so so that's why like did you go full-time before you got the spot or did you go full-time and then like got the spot at the same time ago i'm going full-time yeah i've been on and off the last few years with doing this full-time um you know i've gone on stints where i worked for the wall of death for several months at a time and this would definitely take a back burner to that especially there were times i didn't bring my tools and stuff with me mm-hmm. There were times I st- did pack a little toolbox and brought it with me on the road when it's really hard to get stuff done and travel and do what I was doing. Um, but yeah, I, the pandemic, I worked from January to December 2020 at a body shop here in Tennessee. And if 
finally quit that and I had interviewed at some other garages. It was Christmas time uh, when I quit that. So I was selling my leather stuff to pay the bills while I looked for something better. Yeah. And I interviewed at a few places and I was like, I don't, none of it was really feeling like a good fit. And um, I wanted to try to make it work with the leather stuff because, I mean, a lot of reasons really, but the freedom of it all, you know, I, like I said, I work a lot, but the time freedom, the location freedom, wearing what I want to, like, I think about this all the time as justification to why I'm here working every day. It's like, I get to listen to what I want on the radio, um, you know, free to go work at event when I want to, um, there's a whole lot of it. And like I said earlier, it's been a healing experience for me, especially since I quit drinking and stuff, like to be able to work on the art and be able to process a lot of the feelings about all that stuff and just uh, work on myself as a human. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, what uh, what kind of stuff do you like make? Like what's your, I, I've seen like, I've seen you make all sorts of stuff, like from signs to fucking skateboard decks to uh, like yeah, keychains and stuff. that skate deck is That's insane. Amazing. So who got Thanks. that? What is that for? Who got that? Um, yeah, good call. I should plug that. Uh, Gnarly Magazine and the Flying Piston Benefits um, do this art on deck contest where 20 artists got sent a skateboard and we all covered it with our own art. The theme was custom culture. So I've got some raffing on there. I've got like a flying Dutch, like Dutch, a flying eyeball. <laughs> by Von Dutch on there um, and a flying piston and some flames up the side. Go check it out on my Instagram. And it will also be in Daytona for a silent auction on March 4th um, at Destination Daytona. They auction them off and the proceeds for them go to buy bikes for kids and they teach kids to ride bikes. So for a good cause, I'm happy to do stuff like that whenever I can. Um, yeah. We talking bicycles or motorcycles for these kids? Uh, bicycles. They're like, I think, kindergarten age kids that they got this um, particular contest is benefiting. But yeah, I've done some bigger art pieces like that. I enjoy doing that. It takes a crazy amount of time, though. Um, so a lot of what I do is tends to be smaller stuff because that's what sells at events and in person here. I do a lot of key fobs. They're a pretty like universal thing. A lot of people have multiple vehicles or bikes or whatever. Um, I've had decent luck with doing those. Um, yeah, little keychains are dope as hell. It's like, and it's been it's it's traveled well on the bike. When I go places, you know, I'm hoping to make it down to Daytona, and I probably will end up packing up like I have did last year, uh, packing up a bunch of it onto the bike and bringing it down there and popping up where I can. Um, to try to sell stuff and pay for the trip. Mm-hmm. The belt buckles are also super fucking cool. Thanks. Yeah, those I'm hoping really to cool. get a batch of those done. How long does something like that take? I would assume that takes longer, right? I get asked so much. People come in the shop every day and ask me, how long does this take? And it's really hard to... Um, to do that to tell to tell someone that and i always say it's like a multi-day process where i'll tool something so i've got wet the leather 
in order to tool it. And then ideally I let it dry for an entire day before I'm painting on it or anything. So then I paint it and ideally I let that dry for a whole day before I put any dye or anything else. Like every part of the process takes time to cure. And I'll try to do an efficiency since I've moved up to trying to do this full time. I'm trying to be more efficient about how I use the tools and the supplies and everything. So I'll try to wait until I have several things tool to paint it, dye it, and get everything through the process. So and it would be a whole other task for me to just try to like keep track of the time each individual piece. Time. That makes sense. Um, I know most people from a business aspect should be like more aware or concerned of it, but I kind of have to just guesstimate with some of that stuff. It's only you're only going to get what you're going to get for it. Sometimes it's like I have too much time in it, but people aren't going to pay or doesn't feel like they're going to pay a lot of money for it. If that makes sense. Right. If, a, if a key, if a keychain takes you three hours or five hours, it's the same size. It's still a keychain, right? So you can only charge so much for that, right? Right. And I just try to like look at it like, well, did I paint it several different colors? Is it like mm. a basic design? Is it just one color? Did I dye it? You know, or just just dye it? I kind of just try to add in my my mind and make up for it and know that my supplies are covered obviously that helps so what what kind of paint do you use on leather um there's some different kinds is it like leather paint is it paint for leather or go ahead and plug these guys because they've sent me stuff and they're really good to me thebings um they've been around since the 1800s they're out of milwaukee they're still making stuff Um, yeah like 1898 or something 1895. So they're older than Arlie Davidson. That's impressive. When I was up in Milwaukee for the 120th this past year, we were doing workshops at the HD Museum with the Real Deal Revolution girls. And um, I tagged these guys because I use their products already. So one of the guys that worked there actually came through to the workshops and uh, I got to meet him in person. And then I got to go to a factory. But they sent me out a bunch of stuff. They're awesome. They know what they're doing. They've been around a long time. So there's this paint that's meant for leather. Um, mm-hmm. I also use some of this Angelus sometimes. Got a whole so bunch it, of that. Is it an actual paint or is it like a dye? Well, this is opaque like a paint. I know it says acrylic dye, but um, that's not open yet. But it is opaque. They have other stuff too that's like actual dye and it's more translucent. There's a ton of products out there to yeah. get different finishes. Hmm. I was wondering how much do you know by chance how much it like differs from like one shot? I don't. I have never bought one shot personally. Uh, it's like twenty five bucks a can. Something. Yeah, it's fucking expensive. It's expensive. But I think I like one like... of these little dies is a few dollars a piece. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, all the other stuff like something for like eight or ten dollars, and there's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> tons and tons of products that i have just learned with trial and error over the years painted leather looks so fucking cool it really pops i love it like when people take the time to paint it um are you doing uh do you do like commission work for people or do you just you make what you want and you sell what you want ideally i'm making what i want i'm selling what i want because the commission work has just been the biggest headache and hard time for me. 
I just feel like stuff always comes up with those projects and it'll just be such one-off thing. It's just like not efficient. You know, I, what I would really like to do, like I said, is be able to come in here, make stuff and sell it in other stores. And then there is like this stress of, I have to get this done for this person. So I have to go across town to get the supplies that I need to finish it. Just like all of the things. Uh, it's my least favorite thing, but sometimes it pays the bills. Sometimes I have to agree to it because I've got to make something happen and that's the business there. But I feel like every time I try to set a time limit on it or whatever, like some crazy thing comes up, like we have a week long storm that, you know, everything's shut down for, I don't know. No, ideally I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that anymore. I would love to get a place that I don't ever have to take on a custom order again and I just make what I want to make. That's what I love about the raffles. I've kind of jumped on that train here and there recently. Um, oh, no so if I can make a bigger piece that I'm excited about, that I could put more time into, and then via the raffle, I can get the money that it's worth and not have to sit around and wait for someone to buy it. Everyone else gets a chance to win. Instead of working out okay to help me be able to bite the bullet on doing a bigger piece and not have to sit and wait for the money to come back. What if? You had a customer where money was no object and there was no time limit and you can make whatever you wanted. Would you, would you commission that piece? I mean, somebody was just going to pay me to make whatever I wanted. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see a day that that happens. I don't know. Right. I'd sells. like you to commission a piece of work for the low life chopper podcast here. Money is no object. Take as long as you Damn. want and do whatever you want. And we're going to do a giveaway with it. Cool. Yeah. Oh, so also we'll talk about yeah. Um, I'm also planning, I've been waiting all winter for them to properly install heat in here. Um, this building is from the 1800s and I have, this is a external wall, this brick wall. There's no insulation. I've got a ancient window. I'm sure it's probably not from the 1800s, but it's drafty as all hell and not good. So there's no proper heat in here. So all winter, when I would leave at night, I would have to shut my space heaters off and it would get wicked cold overnight. And then I'd come in the next day and ride in in the cold and have to be cold in here all day. So I've wanted to book workshops so I could actually just teach people here and they can come in and make a bracelet or a key fob or whatever. And I can share those skills here in the shop. But I haven't wanted to book it and then have someone come in and like to freeze their ass up next to a space heater, you know. So anyway, it's finally warming up. I guess it's going to be spring before they install my heat. But I'm going to start doing that soon. For the summer? I am not even concerned about it, man. It was so cold. <laughs> it's like it's still like a refrigerator in here when I come in in the morning. Mm. So I think it's going to be fine. I would rather be hot than cold. I don't think it's that bad here. After being, when I worked in like Texas and Arizona and stuff the last couple of years, like doing oh, yeah. hard labor in like a hundred degree heat outside, working inside when it, you know. 80 or not, it'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. They, I guess, like, uh, the people that you rent from, they, they're just like, there's no heat, there's no AC, deal with it. Can you generate your own somehow? I, I mean, mean I've, you, I've got the space heat. I've got the space heaters going. They're, they supposedly ordered one and it's just taking them time to get it scheduled and install it. But I don't want to be like complaining about it because I'm just happy to be yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice. Obviously, I come just complain to you about it, but I've just been dealing with it. Yeah, 
Well, give me the landlord's uh, email. I'll, I'll send him a nasty gram. Well, they're still working on fixing the hole in the building for when the people stole the ATM. Oh, yeah. That the box was. truck. <laughs> so I'm just like feeling like I'm at that much of a priority with it. So. Where, where are you? Lo- where's the shop located? Is in like a, a main, like, is it off of the main drag there? Whatever that's called. Um, right. It's fairly close. It's a couple of streets away from Broadway. Um, and I like Broadway. it that way. Yeah. I would not want to be down there where there's like drunk people till two in the morning or any of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I am in a pretty crazy. touristy area. Um, I'm in this old car factory that has been converted into shop. The uh, American Pickers store, as everyone calls it, is here. It's called Antique Archaeology. Um, oh, cool. So the trolleys come and they drop off people every day. Uh, but it gets dead at like four or five o'clock, which is fine by me. That's a long enough day. Have you met those dudes? Uh, Mike Wolf? Yeah. I have not here, but um. Oh, not not there. He's not like posted up uh, behind the counter every day. No. Okay. But you have met him. I have. Okay. Is he a nice guy? He was super nice. Um, okay. this past summer, I went up to Cave City Cars and Coffee, which uh, his girlfriend Letitia runs in Cave City, Kentucky. I was trying to raise money for my trip up there to Laconia. And uh, I hit her up and asked if I could come bend with my leather work. And she said, yeah, come on. So I packed up my my bag and my bike and I rode up there. And um, I was actually backing up to the curb to park it. And I heard, oh, you must be the leather girl. And I thought it was just going to be some like random guy. And I turned around and I was like, I was like, so damn. So that was cool. Yeah, they were both super nice. And I had a great time up there at Cave City Cars and Coffee. Great great crew of people uh super cute town um and yeah they were awesome did he talk about him and frank breaking up he did not any gauze okay he did not but uh he did like he was pulling some stuff off the walls and like i've heard place tell me stories about it it was like real live american pickers it was pretty cool i don't know shit i used to love that fucking show and I just got to see Letitia. Like she was also, she was a hero of mine. I had to tell her back, like when I worked in a garage in New Hampshire, and I just rode the bike on the weekends and stuff. She was out like road dogging it, and it definitely like inspired me. You know, see people out there doing that. I could do that, and you know, then I was out riding all over and got to tell her she inspired me too by like settling down in that place. She did a lot um, up there to fix up some buildings and build businesses and. Stuff like that, and uh, yeah, I have to say, like I told her that she inspired me doing that, and I'm pumped that you know I'm doing that myself now, trying to move up to the next level with this place, and you know I've kept it going for like six months now. So nice. Are these earrings? Oh, you can't really see, but they're like the yeah, the, yeah. Those are fucking sick. I was looking, I was like, no way, those are earrings, but yeah, those are fucking dope. Thanks. Yeah, I had some requests for the lightning bolt, so I finally got those done. I like you got the little tags and everything for it. That's super cool. Yeah, they're just my business cards with holes bunched in. <laughs> it looks great. More than that. I want to uh, redo the logo that's a little more friendly to the people here. Like that's, I've been doing a lot of biker events the last few years, so I've kind of showed that like skull helmet thing going on. But um, 
Yeah, I want to do kind of a more basic sign with just the words for out front here. I still don't have a sign out because, of course, I want to make it by hand and it's taking me forever. <laughs> What's, uh, I guess, if, if someone wanted to get into leather work, like what is bare minimum tooling that you need? Like what what are the tools even called? Like, um, I get this question fairly often online. Like, usually tell them to get one of these guys. Like, still make something like this. Tandy Leather's still in business. There's one here in Nashville. There was oh, one in Tulsa. Oh yeah, out uh, of Fort Worth, they've got stores all over the country. Um, so I used to go to Chelmsford when I was in New Hampshire, down in Massachusetts, and um. I've been to them out in South Dakota and all over the country, Milwaukee, trying to get um, supplies to make stuff on the raid. But they still sell a kit like that. Um, bare minimum, you need a mallet. I've had the same one since the beginning. I've been gifted nicer ones, but I keep going back to Old Faithful here. Um, mallet, a stone, a tooling stone. They sell them at Tandy, like a quartz slab, or if you can get something from, you know, a remnant from someplace. For years, I tried to like not do that. I didn't have anyone properly teach me. I was just like trying to figure it out on my own. And um, I tried to make things with just things like Tondo boards that came in one of these kits or lots of tools that I got. Now, what's the stone I finally for? bought the stone and it made so much of a difference. It was what's just like one of those things that you're like, why the fuck did I do anything with this? What, what, is, do what do you use the stone use it for? for? Is it like stretching? Yeah. The or... spell needs to be under the leather so that it has a good, you know, it helps the leather absorb the force. Ah. You know, right. if it was soft, it like moves with it so you don't get as good like of an a piece of wood or something, right? The leather. Like the wood. But yeah, don't, like, yeah. Don't. That doesn't sure. fuck your chisels up or anything. Um, you're or not trying to go off. through the leather. So part of learning to do leather work and what I teach people in the workshop is that, you know, you want to get used to how hard you want to hit it and you want to stay consistent. If you're doing, you know, a stamp on the edges, if you want it to look right, you got to try to hit it the same amount of hardness, but get it too hard. You could go Ooh. through the leather center. If you don't hit it hard enough, you don't get a good impression. Hmm. But yeah, those, you know, we've got some. Some stamps if you're just gonna do that a lot of what i do is the actual carving and tooling um i don't see i told the knife here because i just packed up a bunch of the stuff to bring it home for fun to get that skateboard done so everything is not in a usual place right now like This thing is a swivel knife. So you put your finger up in here, and then you kind of use it like a pencil, drag I've it seen along. I've motherfuckers before and didn't even know what it was. I was like, oh, this is a weird tool. Perfect. It's got a blade, yeah, so you drag that along and make the um, cuts no along yeah, the lines, and then use the hammer and the tools to mold the leather. So hmm. that's strictly for cutting, then? Because I've seen you using that when you did the rat fang thing, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's cutting the leather. No shit. So, hand carved and uh, hand tooled, hand are painted. You, are, when you get a piece of leather, are you do you draw your design on it first and then go in with the tools? Yeah, so I've got like a stylus kind of thing that a lot of times I will try to print 
something off. It's like a loose, I'll have some of the images and kind of try to lay it out. I end up freehanding some of it, but it definitely helps to print something off or have something to go off of. You can use a, a projector if it was going to be really big. Um, I've used thing before where you do this like grid to blow it up kind of oh, thing. Yeah. But yeah, kind of depends on what I'm trying to get done. Right. Now, there's so many different types of leather, right? I mean, like you kind of have to know what, depending on what you're doing, what kind of leather you want to work with. Like, because some of it's really thick and some of it's really thin. Like what, how do you get information about what kind of leather? Because you can't just take any cowhide and just start knifing it, right? Yeah, so I answer that question in here a lot too. And people think that I can just add something to what they already have on or something that's already done in here in the shop. And no, in order to tool it, it needs to be vegetable tanned leather. That's what I work with. And then it needs to be wet in order to work with it. But once I've gone through and tooled it and then painted it, dyed it, sealed it, whatever, it's done. There's not any, like, let me go back and wet it and just carve it some more. It finishes it and that's that. So, yes, as far as vegetable tan leather, there are different grades of it. You know, you can get a lot of the stuff I buy is cheaper. So there'll be, like, uh, more bug bites and like, scars and things like that. But if you could spend a ton of money on leather, you can get a really beautiful piece of some cow that's been babied. Um, and yeah, the thicknesses, obviously, depending on what you're trying to make, um, they have it milled out to the different quality thicknesses. Quality of leather, that's crazy because you forget that it used to be on a friggin' animal, you know, like that has a lot of people do. Yeah. It. Like, yeah. sorry. It had skin and a lot of my understanding is that a lot of the um, stuff that I use comes from is a byproduct of the meat industry. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as they're killing cows for meat, they're using the hides to make it into stuff like the vegetable tan leather. Hmm. Wow. Do you buy in like bulk? Like, do you buy like a whole cow's hide or do you buy like smaller? Do they sell like, do they sell it by the yard? How does that work? Yeah, so it's priced by the square foot. Um, or they, you know, they they square foot, it's a certain square foot, and then they have different thicknesses. I, I guess it is in the same price depending on size and weight. They'll be like, these are all 80 or 100 or 150 or more. Um, and you can buy like a shoulder, you can buy a whole half a cow, you know, it'll be this humongous thing that you roll up and strap it to my sissy bar. Um, Sometimes I buy small things that are pre-cut, like the key fobs are the kind of thing that I buy in a package of 25, and I'm not going to sit there uh, and yeah. cut them out myself. I like the the ease of that and just being able to spend the time doing the tooling. Like, that's the part that I enjoy. I don't really enjoy the sewing or cutting it out or any of that other stuff as much as I enjoy the actual tooling and the painting of it. Um, so sometimes I buy things pre-cut from Tandy, which some people will hate on, but I... I like the ease of it by a gun holster or whatever. And it's like basically the same thing every time um, I know what to expect. But sometimes I buy the big pieces to make the bigger art with or whatever. Yeah, that's crazy. That So when they skin the cow, that fucking leather looks like a cow. It has fucking legs and shit. And like, right, they take all the leather. I mean, they take all the skin off, right? And tan the yes. whole fucking thing. 
they'll also like cut other parts out like the, they'll sell the belly separate sometimes because it's like thicker and kind of weird or whatever wow. like it is still certain parts but yes it's mostly usually like the back and the sides of pieces that i, I buy thought about that so they, they're actually like selling it like ed Gaines style like oh you want a belly you want a hit <laughs> they have the big wall on the side that's like the hair on they're really really big like the uh, rugs i guess you could use them for um yeah oh fuck yeah Huh. Oh shit. I have a lot of respect. Some people like fully tan their own leather. You know, like I you know, the Native Americans I think used to use the brains of like the animals. I think there's yeah. something where like there's exactly yeah, enough brain tanning. of that to do that. But uh I'm good with all that. Yeah. <laughs> brain tanning sounds like a fucking <laughs> endeavor in and of itself. <laughs> yeah you can call me soft Brain i'm not really like well, that dude, doesn't I mean, that's not even that bad i feel like fleshing the hide is the worst part that takes like some serious yeah. skill i'm sure there's some any of other workers that go out and hunt their own animal and then brain tan and do the whole fucking thing yeah, yeah. And it's like that's what i mean like i have a ton that. of respect for people that do that i totally get that i'm like just an artist <laughs> i'm not trying I've been to wanting to do that really bad because i hunt and i've been wanting to take um like buck hide and make a pair of buck hide leather pants. But I have no idea how to do anything with leather, but it would look so goddamn cool. <laughs> I've got like scraps and um, upholstery leather in these trunks behind me that are waiting for me to like find the time to do that. But I want to make a pair of pants wicked bad. Obviously, I didn't kill it myself or anything, but I thought the same thing with a snake. I kept, I found this snake on one of my trips to Florida once. It was like a baby one and it was uh, just about dead. And I was mailing a package back home to myself anyway of stuff I wanted to get home before me. I sent this dead snake in a fucking Ziploc up there. And then when I got home, I put it in the freezer and planned on like skinning it. I had it in there for probably a year. And then I finally moved out of the place. I still hadn't done it. So I threw it out. But I still feel bad. Like I just wanted, I kind of want to do the whole thing, you know, to skin it and you put it in like uh, glycerin and isopropyl alcohol or something and to like tan it and make something with it. I was like, I want to put this dead thing to use, but I yeah. still haven't done it. Not legit. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Is that, is snake skin considered like leather or it's the same process, right? To process yeah. They the sell it at the, oh. um, at my supplier, I've seen it. I think I've even picked it up when it was on sale once. Thought I was going to do more with it, but it was really thin and it was really dry. And I just felt like the couple of things I thought I would use it for, it just didn't feel tough Ooh. enough. So is it, is like leather, is like alligator skin leather? Or does it have to be like a uh, two-toed undulate? Like is it? I don't know if they like bond it, it to something. Yeah. I, I really don't know about all that. Like, there's a guy here that I would love, like, there's people that make boots here in town. Um, I would love to know more about that kind of stuff. I just, that's not something that I work with. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I've never really thought about leather in general like that. But, yeah, it's like, I guess you could, you could take human skin and fucking make leather out of it, right? Well, this is getting off track. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's the same thing as cow skin, right? Or they do pig skin leather. I don't think right? 
I do kind of think about like tattoo, like the similarities between what I do and tattoo artists. Like we're both working with skin. It's like once you fuck it up, it's fucked up. Like yeah. I kind of have to give some people with like metalworking or woodworking. I see them like, oh, I can just grind that off and start over. I was like, I can't do that. If I mess up on the skin, it's messed up. Um, but not as bad as like a tattoo artist where somebody has to live with it for the rest of their lives. It's like mine just ends up in a drawer or in the trash. Yeah, that's wild though. I it really gets me like the little bug bites. It's like you can see minor imperfections, like a bug biting you, like in the leather itself. So, is there like a, I guess a quality index or something that they use with leather? Like, are they? Is it like a grading? Like this is grade A leather, grade B because it has some bug bites in it. Yeah, there may be like an actual grading system like that i'm not even super familiar with it the yeah. supplier that i get it from just calls it different things like economy or uh, yeah. herman oak is like a certain brand that's really well known for being good quality um i'm not sure about the grade if it's like letters or whatever though i haven't really had to get into that yeah um so what shows are you uh i guess or where where are you planning on go in this riding season or do you are you kind of staying put i don't know i'm definitely it's that time of year where i'm itching to get back out on the road um but having the workshop for the first time i kind of have to i don't want to lose it i like being here so i'm gonna do what i can i'm hoping to make it to daytona i'm not sure i'm going to that and my bike uh i was really hell-bent on getting it to 100k for a while since then i mean it's been really good to me but i'm definitely I'm not gonna lie i'm nervous about taking it further i've had like more major issues the last few times i did um but i'm also trying to get some stuff fixed on it i've been working on it um i'm gonna try to get it to one of the local dealers here to look at it too and um see about that but anyway uh hopefully daytona i would like to make it there um and I probably will be sticking here more this year, sticking around this area. Um, I would love to get out to Sturgis again this year, but we'll see. I want to do what I can. Would this be your, uh, have you been to Daytona before? I has. Um, okay. Actually, when I moved here, I was trying to figure out how to get my bike from a shop in Massachusetts down to Tennessee. And I, it was like February, March, and I was like, do I go up there and rent a trailer? Uh, I realized Daytona was coming, and I was like, oh, there's tons of people that are hauling down from up there. I can just pay a few hundred dollars and get it shipped to Daytona. And I took a rental car from here and wrote, and drove it to Florida, dropped the rental car, and rode the bike back here. And in that process, I got to experience my first Daytona Bike Week. That was in 2019. And it had 18,000 miles on it then. And so I've been there a few times since then. I've gone to work with the Wall of Death and sell my leather stuff and whatnot. Um, I like it a lot. I like for, feel like people make fun of it a lot in New England. Um, I hadn't been, like I said, until more recent years. But I get it. Once I went, I was like, all right, it's March. And it's palm trees and it's 80 degrees and you're riding by the ocean and a t-shirt and it's awesome when you're there it's hard to not be happy um all kinds of great racing vintage racing 
um, the new bikes. Daytona definitely has, I think, more racing than the other um, rallies. The riding is not as good as like the Black Hills or Laconia. Um, you know, it's flat, it's straight, yeah. but you get to ride by the beach. So there's that. Yeah. So of the big if you've never been, it's good. Your, which is your favorite, Sturgis, Daytona, or Laconia? Probably Sturgis. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's like there. the road out there for a lot of the way I press the country. The first time I rode out, I rode from Jersey. And then the last few times has been either from Tennessee or if I was in the All road right. somewhere more out west. Um, it's a lot of corn in some of the areas and flat and kind of boring for a few states. But once you get out there, being from New Hampshire, it's like the first time I saw the Badlands, I was like first desert kind of um, scenery I'd ever ridden through it was epic. And I've tried to go back through there every time um, I've been through since. It doesn't get old. Um, the Black Hills are also beautiful in their own way. Um, definitely a great area worth getting out there for. Yeah, I gotta get I've been to Daytona either, but um what else I like about Daytona is that it's one of the places that for whatever reason there tend to be several wall of deaths and there's only four or five left in the country that still travel around and perform. And a lot of times if there's one at an event, there won't be more than one. Um uh, hmm. but for whatever reason in Daytona you can catch usually a few different ones. So I always so like to are you are you doing the wall of death? When you say you're working with the wall of death, are you like on the wall of death going around and around? I have before uh, when I first started working for them in 2019. Um, I worked for one and I did the go-kart. I learned to do that. So I did that for like a go-kart. At least on it? Yeah. I haven't done the motorcycle myself on it. I've gotten on the back of the bike a few times and gone up. Um, and yeah, but I've only put the go-kart up there myself. It's fucking wild. Mostly I was just traveling and helping set it up, tear it down, and doing the work to oh, you keep actually it set them up. So you, you're the part of the crew that sets them all up. Yeah. So I rode all around, did a lot of those miles, riding around the country doing that stuff. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's like a lot, one of those like lost art. I was listening to a guy on a podcast, actually Big Truth Podcast. He had a wall of death rider on and uh, he was talking about it. It's like, you can't be just hiring anybody to put these things together. Like they need to be together perfectly. You know what I mean? Like you can't just smack them together. You can't just hire some local dudes to come and put it together. Like they're made out of wood. Yes, they're made out of wood. Um, and yeah, you do like, you know, you see the stories all the time about people at the fair and the carnies like not doing something with the ride, right? Yeah. And it falls apart, you know, it can't have that. Um, it's better, definitely better to have a crew that knows what they're doing unless mistakes get made. Um, but any, I think most people could learn. It's just like the hard part about it isn't learning it. It's the dedication of like living on the road and yeah. getting up a lot of stuff. In order to do that, I think. Oh, shit. Um. Yeah, I guess as far as the wall, the wall of death is—is is that just 
is the wall of death is just like one company or is wall of death like an event that a bunch of different companies do it's a show that has been around for like 100 years a little more than 100 years early 1900s they started um sending them up and there were hundreds back in the day i think like maybe dozens in the 60s or so when it's really fallen off and there's only a few left that are still running so when you say well death you're talking about a wooden barrel usually with like a tent top and people go up inside and look down into the barrel where they can see motorcycles and go-karts ride on the side of the wall um there's just a couple left, like I said, that are operating. One of them only performs in Daytona anymore. Um, one of them does more like state fairs. Um, they don't do a ton of motorcycle events. And then the other two that travel or still operate much, two or three, do v various events. But with there only being that many, you know, they can only make it to so many. So not like you, not something you get to see every day at every event. How long, how long does it take to build that wall of death? Like when they drop the supplies off? It definitely depends on your crew there and if they know what they're doing. Um, if you have to stop and explain everything to somebody new, it takes that much longer. Um, and some of them are different sizes and stuff. Like, for instance, the first wall I worked for didn't let us use power tools. Whereas the last one I worked for let us use power tools. And then, like, we hand-carried all the walls off the first one, um, one by one. And this last one, we would unload some of them with a forklift. So, like, it's different depending on which wall it is and which crew and the weather. It's really important that it's level. So if we're in gravel or sand versus, like, a pavement, um, and depending on if, like, the spot we're trying to set up is, like, fairly flat or has a big incline, all of that stuff all whether it's the wall itself is like waterlogged from being rained on you know, there's so many things that make it take longer but we've had it set up in just a few hours we had like an event in bisbee arizona where we had some construction company like sponsor us with their crew so they came out and were like you know, knew how to take direction and there was tons of guys to carry everything so we could barely say it you know it was things were going up and getting repaired and it was super fast um but then we've had other times where it was just two or three of us trying to put the whole thing together and struggling through it for a couple of days because you just have to take that many more breaks because it's exhausting and whatnot. So wow. anywhere from, you know, half a day to a few days, depending on all of the conditions. Not of that. I didn't know this. It's crazy, but it's worth it, though. It's like they're like to keep it going. For me, I've like done a lot of work for not a lot of pay, but um, seeing people smile and get excited about it, I don't know, it just something it did something for me every time I saw it. It still does. I still get excited. A little kid. Uh, yeah. And I haven't seen a show in like five or six months, so I'm hoping to catch one here in Daytona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's like one of those, I don't know. It's only a matter of time before there's no walls to death, you know, or maybe someone will keep it. We're going trying to keep it alive, you know, and I tell everyone that I listen to me talk about it like this, like, please go see it. If you see one in your area, please go support it. Let's like try to keep it alive. And a lot of people say, oh, I saw it on the Internet, but I didn't know what it was or, you know, it was so different to finally see it in person. And, and I tell them, yeah, you have to get out there and like actually feel the building move and smell a two stroke and like 
really get to experience it. It's not much like it. It's not something you can get through the phone, you know. Right. And these days, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's Wall of Death Riders. Are they like normal people, or are they absolute psychopaths? Ah, debatable. <laughs> I think it takes a certain kind of person for sure. Um, I've heard people say that before. It's like a alpha type person or something. You know, it's not somebody that's afraid to take risks. That's getting out there mm-hmm. and riding it. Yeah. Um, I guess have you? Are they, I mean, they're pretty skilled riders. Have you seen any accidents in the wall of death, or they they know exactly what they're doing? And I sure have. I mean, I've seen them. Yes, the first oh, yeah. wall I worked for, I saw all three of those guys crash um, oh, fuck. at various times for various reasons. Uh, sometimes it's just the bike. You can be as a great rider, but the mechanical failure or whatever. Um, I've seen it be both that and somebody's just actual human error. Um, the people that I work for most recently are have been doing it since they were young kids. So they were really good and I barely saw them have any issues. If they had an issue, they would even just like ride off the wall. Like tire goes out and they just still come back down just fine. Like I didn't see him get hurt or anything, knock on wood. Like I've not seen anyone get horribly injured in there. Now, there's people inside the wall, too, right? Because I've seen, like, video of people, like, inside filming them going around. Yeah, uh, we stand in the middle for the show, and occasionally we have, like, some guests in there, too, yeah. Oh, um, that must be fun. But the show is really from the top. We always tell yeah. people that. They think it's cool to be inside, but, like, the experience is... Better up top. Is huh? cool up top, and I experience that when I can, too. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't. I, I guess yeah. I didn't. I didn't know you worked on the Wall of Death. I've seen you. I saw some pictures of you at the Wall of Death. But that's uh, that's fucking gnarly. How do you get involved with the Wall of Death? You just have to know a guy. <laughs> kind of like uh, you see some of the old Wall of Death business cards from back in the day, and a lot of them say um, by appointment or chance or something like that. Uh, it worked out for me that I went to Daytona that time to pick up my bike and I was down there just hanging out with friends at the races and stuff. And, um, one of my friends was working at the wall of desk there and I went and met, I had some other people I knew there and hung out with them for a couple of days and just enjoyed the show and stuff. And then I loaded my bike back up and was like, all right, I'm going back to Nashville. And, um, you know, rode back to Nashville and a few months later I got a call from one of them saying, you know, we need a go-kart rider and we think you'd be a good fit if you want to give it a try. And I was already headed up to Jersey to go to Strange Days um, from Tennessee and go race and do that event because I'd been doing it for several years in a row. And they were working in Jersey at the time. So I was like, I'll come up early. I'll set, help you guys set up. I'll go do my weekend thing in Jersey and then I'll come back and help you guys tear down and I'll see if I can hack it because it's a lot of work and, uh, you know, see if it works out for both of us. And they ended up inviting me to do the rest of the season with them. So I was out from like the 4th of July to Halloween that year, got back uh, end of October and then the pandemic happened and I worked here that whole time. Um, and then at the beginning of 2021, I went back 
to Daytona and I got to work with Vibes Brothers who I've been helping out the last couple of years. Um, and again, that was just like my other friend that got me out working on the first wall, <clears throat> kick and wing. I uh, started working for those guys and invited me out and uh, yeah. They're wow. a different, the first wall I worked for was very traditional wall of show. They had a lot of like rules that they stuck to. Um, and the highest brothers are definitely stereotype breakers in that respect. You know, they like blasting music in there. And um, I had first seen their wall of death in 2016 in Laconia. And uh, it was definitely super cool to like go down there and work with them and then spend the last couple of years. I spent a lot of time setting up and tearing down that wall of death. And it's been an experience and I'm grateful to them wow. for that. Um, definitely been a trip. Oh shit. Locked out. We should get a wall of death for the low life lowdown. What do you say? Um, I don't know if, I don't know if the VFW, VFW is going to approve that. <laughs> I do well, have like, they didn't uh, want us to have dogs at the show. <laughs> It would be cool to have one someday of my own. I can't say I haven't dreamt of that. It's like got to have its own whole headache of things to manage about it. But um, yeah, I mean, I just don't think there's enough of them. They can't be everywhere. And uh, I'm just not much of a woodworker. I definitely would have to get some people together. But uh, the plans have been like the same. For the last hundred uh, years is my understanding. We'll look into that. Maybe I'll build it myself. Locked up. Me and you will just. I mean, yeah. I mean, we can do it. I guess how hard could it be? Shit. <laughs> well, it's called the Wall of Death. So if we die in there, I mean, it's almost expected. we die doing what we loved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get any further along, we need to thank some of the sponsors that make this show possible. First up. You're, oh, I you thought you were going to go. No, you do the sponsors. <laughs> well, actually, actually, hold on, because we actually, be, we didn't do the housekeeping in the beginning. We just jumped right into the interview. So uh, I'll do the February giveaway sponsor. Patreon, $10 a month. You will be entered to win Cornerstone Manufacturing Kydex DIY Chopper Seat Pan. This is probably going to be your best bet to get one because as soon as he gets them in and makes them, they sell out. I don't even have one. He's a giveaway sponsor. He couldn't even keep them on the shelves for me. So Cornerstone Manufacturing, go over to Patreon, sign up for $10 a month giveaway sponsorship level, uh, $5 if you want to get our sweet bonus videos. Uh, and get in on this Kydex seat pan. We're going to be pulling that in two weeks. This month has just been flying by. The other thing we forgot to mention is Bump Shop Diaries. He's our coffee collab. Oh, you buy one of our dope-ass camp mugs. These things don't shatter. They're made of metal. Get a camp mug from the Low Life Boys, and you're going to get $5 off Bump Shop Diaries hardtail blend. Whole bean or ground, freshly roasted, shipped to your door. Next up, we have... Now you're on. We have... No Life to Leather. The homegirl right here on this 
fucking episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this story. Hit her up for all your leather needs. Go shop on her Instagram. Support the grassroots motherfuckers keeping these old school traditions alive. Thank Next, you. We got Steve. Uh, say this every week. Has been supporting us since the beginning. Through our cancellation, through all the bullshit that I say on all these episodes, uh, Steve doesn't even bat an eyelash. He loves it. He loves us. He's been supporting us from the very beginning. And he supports you guys by giving you the code LOWLIFE at checkout to save some money. If you need chopper parts, diner parts, bagger parts, anything to do with motorcycle, traveling, accessories, you can get it at deadbeatcustoms.com. Next, don't forget we about got the blog. Steel City. Don't forget about, don't blog, forget the, about blog. the blog. You, we got Chopping 101, our mini series, parts one through five. They're over on the Deadbeat blog. They feature uh, builders and all sorts of shit over there. So check out the blog. Uh, get on their newsletter. Next, we got Steel City Blacksmithing, Josh from Pennsylvania, twisting all things metal, uh, getting to work on the lathe. This kid will turn your bike from the average shopper to above and beyond. Kid is doing builds that win first place in chopper shows in Paris. He ain't fucking around. Check him out. SteelCityBlacksmithing.com or SteelCityBlacksmithing on Instagram. Next, we got Lowbrow Customs, everything you need for the road ahead. Literally the only website where you can build an entire chopper. Uh, he has everything. Motors, frames, tanks, everything you need. And uh, Tyler supports every show. I guarantee any chopper show you've been to, there's been a low-life banner. So return the favor and shop at lowbrowcustoms.com. Next, we got Stay Strong Co., the creator of the hot sauce that both these guys like to put in their mouth. Um, go check them out, staystrongco.com, Stay Strong Co. on Instagram. Check out some of everything that he does is crazy. He makes jewelry. He makes wax shit on skulls. I don't know. Dude makes everything. He makes everything. Check him out. He's just an artist all around and a super good dude and wears white pants. If that doesn't tell you to go shop with him, I don't know what will. And he, somehow he keeps them pristine, not a smudge on them. They're just, they look like Always. they came off the Levi factory fucking uh, right out of the sweatshop, fresh out of the sweatshop, bud. He's, he's an angel. It's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> I pray to him uh, before next, I go to bed we... at night. <laughs> up next, we got Dan at No Luck Paintworks cooking up the dopest paint jobs on the East Coast. Um, no matter what style bike you ride, Dan can get you looking right. Whether it's Dyna stuff with all that crazy um, panels and candy paint, or if you just want that chopper paint job with that old school 70s flames, or some skulls on your bagger. He doesn't do that, but uh, he probably knows somebody that does. Uh, hit him up. No Luck Paintworks on Instagram. Next, we got Rhino Resto. Inconveniently located in Henniker, New Hampshire, home of the Vapor Honer Boner, except no substitutes, with a focus and passion on vintage motorcycle and tool restoration. Friendly service. <laughs> Even friendlier prices. Contact me today for a free quote or a joke. Rhino Resto on Instagram or rhino at lowlifechopperpodcast.com. Last but not least, we have Loctite's motherfucking chop shop. Conveniently located in Epping, New Hampshire. For all of your pinstriping needs, hit me up. Whether you just want a custom garage sign, you want me to paint a skate deck, or pinstripe your entire fucking bike, we can make it happen. I got this big-ass garage. Check it out behind me. 
all this room to do paint, uh, hit me up, Loctite's Chop Shop on Instagram or Loctite's Chop Shop. Or, no, nah, that's a lie. Loctite at lowlifechopperpodcast.com. And Why last but not least, this show. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We got the new sponsor, Burnt Up Wood Burning. Oh, shit, I thought you already did that. Yeah, Matt over at Burnt Up Wood Burning. I threw up some pictures of what he does. He does it all freehand, the old-fashioned way. Uh, no, no CNC, no fucking lasers. He does it with the mitts, bro. And he does photorealistic shit. He's going to be doing uh, our bikes, and uh, we're going to get something together with him. I'm going to talk to him about doing something for a giveaway, too. Uh, LCP-related, of course. Now, last, but certainly not least, this, this show! show. <laughs> the Low Life Chopper Podcast. Go get open a uh, an internet browser and type in www.lowlifechopperpodcast.com has all the links to all our socials and our shops. Go buy a camp mug. Go buy a tea. Go buy a something or other. Anytime you buy something from us, supports the show. Uh, you know, these podcasting apps that we use to make this thing look polished as fuck, they ain't free. They ain't giving that away. It's capitalism, baby. So get on that. Uh, visit, visit us. Get on the Patreon. You know, you can actually join as a free member too. But $5 a month. You're going to get the free bonus episode, $10 a month. You're going to get cool shit from people that support us. So, uh, lowlifechopperpodcast.com. And, uh, real quick, I just want to make sure, um, I plug these two shows. Um, one, La Espada Chopper Show, Saturday, May 4th, 2024, 576 Primrose Street, Haverhill, Mass. They got everything, indoor show outdoor show, bands, raffles, and awards start at 4 p.m. So make sure you put that on your goddamn calendar. Next, we got the Low Life Lowdown, our show. Uh, June 8th, 2024. It is 232 Caliph Highway, Epping, New Hampshire. Food, beer, music, raffles, motorcycle show, and biker games. It's going to be amazing. So save up that PTO so you can get paid for being at the show. Oh, that rhymed. <laughs> it is a Saturday too, so poor bastard, you have to work yeah. Saturday. PTO, uh, what's that? Yeah, I know. This is the first job I've ever had with PTO, and it's amazing. I, the only thing that sucks is I've never had PTO. So as soon as I get six hours or eight hours or whatever, I'm like, I'm taking a day off. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. Like, I can't keep it. Um, but then again, one more time. Um, no life till leather. Make sure you check her out. Go follow her on Instagram. Rhino's gonna put a picture. Of her page right here. Hopefully he did that. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Um, but hey, we'll it was it great post. having you on. Um, the leather work you do is absolutely amazing. It's super cool how many miles you put down, especially on a sporty. Listen, I am the biggest sporty advocate. I love them. I think that's the best bike ever made. So it makes it even cool that you did it on a sporty. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on the road somewhere. Thanks, thanks guys. I appreciate you. And yeah. Rhino will put all of her information in the show notes. We'll make it easy for you guys, all right? We're going to make it real easy because we know you fucking assholes are Thanks. so lazy. You just have to point and click. <laughs> and you'll just go right to her. We're going to we're gonna have uh, her Instagram, okay? I'm going to put some pictures up. I'm going to uh, curate a picture for the uh, YouTube thumb. So even if you get confused, just Thanks. hit me up. Rhino at lowlifechopperpodcast.com. Uh, but yeah, Sarah, thank you so thank much you. 
uh, for coming on. Stick around. We're going to end the recording right meow. <laughs>